Hey guys, welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz, and you have made the brilliant choice to listen to another episode of my little old podcast. Welcome back. Welcome aboard. If you're new to the show, thanks for tuning in. Uh, This week's guest coming up in just a little bit is the super charming and really one of the best actors working today, one of the best specifically actresses working today, uh, Carrie Mulligan. She is currently on stage in New York in a great play called Skylight, and she is in a film called Far From the Madding Crowd. Um, always one of our best and brightest. Love talking to her. But first, let me catch you up on what's going on with me. Uh, it's Saturday as I record this. And yep, as you can tell from the sirens, I'm back home. Uh, I'm in super safe New York, despite the sirens that always seem to go by my apartment window. Uh, I've spent the last few days in Las Vegas. Oh, look at the sirens getting closer. Um, I was in Las Vegas for work for MTV uh, shenanigans covering something called CinemaCon, which was really fun. Um, I've never been in Las Vegas for more than like two days. I feel like most people would agree with me that like Vegas is best for about 36 to 48 hours after that it gets dangerous and depressing uh but surprisingly this was this was a super fun trip i think primarily because i was really busy i was busy with work i didn't have time to gamble my life away um and eat insanely although we did have a few good meals um so CinemaCon. If you're a movie buff, if you're a movie fan, particularly if you're a fan of big blockbuster movies, uh, this is, it's pretty much, it's a big treat because it's actually a convention for theater exhibitors. It's the guys that are, you know, Regal Cinemas and AMC, the guys that put on the movies in their, in their theaters. And it's also like, you know, people trying to hawk their new, um, popcorn or nachos or milk duds or whatever. So it's all about that kind of side of the business. But what ends up happening is, Every big studio brings their really big blockbuster movies to show off sneak peeks of what's coming up in the next year. Uh, so for people like me on the media side of things and people like me who are just big fans of movies, uh, you get a chance to see footage that no one's seen before. Uh, saw a ton of really cool looking stuff. I saw they showed some new stuff from Spectre. That's what Sony brought out. That was a big, that was a big one. Um, uh, a lot of random things um, like there was a teaser thing for joy, which is the new David O. Russell, Jennifer Lawrence movie, which looks like a David O. Russell, Jennifer Lawrence movie. It looks great. There was no dialogue, but it looked fantastic. Uh, the new uh, Alejandro Inaritu movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tom Hardy had the very first footage shown. It's called the revenant and it looks gorgeous. And uh, yeah, the filmmaking alone again, no dialogue, but it just, you can tell that this one, same cinematographer as Birdman, So it's going to look gorgeous. Uh, I got, I, I got a special thrill out of seeing Creed, which is like the new, uh, I guess it's the new Rocky movie kind of, but it's from Ryan Coogler who did Fruitvale station and he's reteaming with Michael B. Jordan, um, who is, is playing Apollo Creed's son. Rocky's still in it, but he's kind of like the old mentor role this time. It looked really good. Back to basics kind of Rocky movie. Um, I mean, there's too much. Saw new Jurassic World footage. Um, They brought out a ton of talent. Chris Pratt was there for that one. Uh, Guillermo del Toro was there. Showed a new Crimson Peak trailer, which looks amazing. And I got to interview a lot of um, uh, the regulars that I've gotten to talk to over the years. Uh, Channing Tatum, uh, Charlize Theron, who I hadn't seen for a while. Uh, I stepped on Charlize Theron's foot during an interview. That was unfortunate. 
it really started well. Charlize is one of the coolest people on the planet. Um, and, uh, has been very kind to me over the years and I hadn't seen her for a while. Gave me a big hug, which was amazing. We have a little chat. It's all, all, all is well and good. And then about a minute later, I stepped on her foot and she grabbed me and screamed Jesus. Um, so that was unfortunate. Um, so whatever. I also got a chance to talk to Tom Hardy about Mad Max. They're both in the new Mad Max movie, which looks, I mean, that's, I'm one of those that, I am obsessed with Mad Max and this new movie looks amazing. So that's kind of my week in a nutshell. There are a lot of really fun interviews. If you go to MTV, specifically, if you go to the MTV YouTube page, you can look at all the interviews with Charlize and Tom Hardy and Channing Tatum and uh, the whole magic Mike cast. Um, uh, God, I don't even know Paul Rudd. I caught up with uh, Amy Schumer, tons of people. So I am back though. Happy to be back. Happy to be in New York for a little bit. Uh, some really fun interviews coming up this coming week. Um, and also frankly, just trying to get the DVR back in shape because I don't know. Do you get stressed like me when it gets up to like 70, 80%? That's what, that's what it's up to for me. So, uh, I promised last week, I started this last week answering some of your questions. Let's continue it, shall we? Uh, reminder, here's how you do it. Very simple. Just send in your questions, silly, stupid, awesome, amazing, whatever question you want to me at Joshua Horowitz, or really just hashtag happy, sad, confused. So use the hashtag happy, sad, confused on Twitter. Ask anything you want of me about my career, about my thoughts on, on, um, movies, food, Really, those are my two main passions in life, or anything else you want. Uh, this week's question comes to us from David Darmoni. David, what do you want to know? Okay, David, uh, what's the most awkward thing that's happened during an interview or question you asked that you'd like to have back? That is a great question, David. Thank you. And it opens up an insane can of worms. If you've seen my stuff, though, you probably know that almost every interview I do includes something awkward in it. So that's it's almost an impossible question to answer. Um, I will answer it this way. Um, well, the Charlize thing was really awkward, stepping on a superstar's foot and getting her angry at you. Um, oh, here was an awkward one this past week. Again, topical. Uh, I was interviewing Nat Wolf and uh, Cara Delevingne. Uh, they're starring in Paper Towns, the new John Green movie. Uh, I've interviewed Nat many, many times. I had never met Cara Delevingne. Um, we were chatting in the beginning of the interview, and I think we'll put this online at some point because it's pretty funny. Um, I said, uh, it's nice to meet you, Cara. And at some point, she just goes, like, by the way, my name's Cara. You know, she's got like a British accent. And uh, it, she said it in such a way that that, that, that reduced me ant-man style to a tiny little human being um it was very it was very upsetting you don't want to get the name of the person you're talking to wrong i didn't really get it wrong i just said it in my new yorkese inflected tones and frankly i'm sorry cara delavine i'm not a big aficionado of your work yet i'm just not i haven't really you know you haven't acted that much yet. I'm not, I'm not, I don't keep up on the modeling front that much. That being said, you were delightful. I know she's probably listening. You were delightful. And I promise from here on out to call you Kara. That is ingrained in my brain. Just like Rihanna is ingrained in my brain. It's Rihanna, folks. It's not Rihanna. It, you can look it up. It's Rihanna. Just accept it. I know we want to say Rihanna here. It's Rihanna. 
and Kara. Uh, that was a kind of crappy answer for you, David, but that, that's the most topical one I can think of. Uh, but literally every interview I've ever, ever done has something awkward in it. But that's what makes it unique and fun. Uh, speaking of unique and fun, oh my God, I am the master of the segue. Carrie Mulligan is both of those things. I adore Carrie Mulligan both as an actor and a human being. She, she really is honestly one of my favorite actors working today. Um, killed it uh, right off the bat in, in education, which got an Oscar nomination. And since then has been, you know, doing such great work. I mean, drive, let's just drive alone. Um, and now she's, as I said, I just saw her on Broadway. She's uh, in a play called skylight, which she performed in London with Bill Nye and is again, performing with him here in New York. If you have a chance to get a ticket, uh, do so because they're both amazing in it. Um, and she's also in a, a film called far from the Madding crowd, which, uh, you know, I'm sure I, I, I'll confess I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet, guys. This was booked primarily to talk about the play. So that's really what we talked about, um, as well as her rise to stardom and um, a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, she, she's, a, she's a great, great, great interview. And I only wish we had a little more time. She was in the middle of one of those junket days. You know how it goes. So we only had about 30 minutes, even a little less. So it's a little bit you know, lighter in content than most Happy Sack Infused is. But uh, cut me some slack, guys. We're doing the best we can. Uh, that's about it. Hit me up on Twitter. Send me your amazing questions. And listen to this fantastic conversation with the awesome Carrie Mulligan. I'm the only barrier between you and lunch. Uh, so don't look at me like a giant, like... Cheeseburger. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't worry, I won't. I'm all right. I've actually eaten loads today, so I'm not starving. And that was fine, actually. It went really fast. Excellent. Got a you, quick guy making things go quickly. Um, we're off and running, if that's cool. Shall yeah. we just shove right in? Yeah, go cool. for it. Um, it's good to see you. Good Congratulations on both the film and, and I got a chance to see the, the play, which is awesome. Oh, did you? Awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to, to revel in the magic of you and Mr. Nye oh, <laughs> for magical hours. It's fun. It was, it, was, it, was, it was intense and amazing and um, a real treat. Gosh, so uh, the first important thing I want to talk to you about uh-huh. in the course of my exhaustive research. Uh-huh. Now, is it true you didn't learn to drive until just a few years ago? Because I've never learned to drive. Didn't you? I, I don't drive. Okay, good. I don't have a license. I don't either have a license. I did learn to drive for Never Let Me Go, uh, failed my test, and then didn't get a license again. And then when I lived in LA for a year, I got a license because they just hand them out in my experience. And so, so you didn't feel prepared. You didn't feel equipped I on the was, road. No, no, I don't think no. And so I drove in LA, but got away with it and then got back to London and never got a license. So I'm nice. in the same position as you, but I feel better now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, f- I always feel like if push came to shove, yeah, I could, I could get around. I have nightmares where I'm suddenly driving and I'm like, oh shit, I can't. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I okay, can't, can... I can't drive. I'm not allowed and I'm not very good at it. Yeah. But I think I should get my, I've got to get my act together. No, I don't think so. I mean, is, is this the one thing we can cling to to not being fully functional adults? Like, That's I, true. I like that. This is our Peter but where Pan do you syndrome. Live? You live in it. I live here. You live here. Well, then you don't need to. See, yeah. I live in England. Yeah. And you should. 
in well, England. if you spend a lot of time in London, you can get away with it. But yeah. outside the environs, it's probably difficult. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, I've also decided, in addition to that very important fact, that you've got exceptional taste in filmmakers. Thank you. You do. I mean, honestly, from Vinterberg to you know Refn, obviously the Coen Brothers. Um, I don't. I mean, how much of this is feels haphazard, or are you one of these actors that that had the list that they <laughs> tried to like, you know, just kind of go after the people that they love? Yes, to a degree. I mean, I guess. It's sort of going after people, but it's also just a lot of waiting around because I sort of, yeah, I take chunks of time off. So before I did this, I'd taken off 18 months where I didn't do anything after I wrapped the Coen Brothers film. So it's sort of waiting for the right thing to come along and the right, you know, and Thomas Vinterberg was somebody that I just really wanted to work with. And and I was so happy that I liked Far From the Manning Crowd as much as I liked him because I wanted to be in one of his films. Yeah, I haven't seen, frankly, enough of his. I did see The Hunt, which was... The Hunt is so good. Exceptional. I met him just just, after I I saw The Hunt, actually, like half an hour afterwards. So I was still kind of slightly dazed and in awe. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you tend to gravitate, do you feel, whether it's subconsciously or whatever, to a type of filmmaker and just even the types of films they make or is it, or the, the type of set that they create? I mean, are you, I don't, well, cause I don't really know, you know, like with the Coen brothers, I didn't know what kind of set they made until I was there. We had no rehearsal. We had like a bit of studio time recording singing, but like I walked on that set and didn't know what they were going to be like really to and work then discovered with. They were just giggling in the corner. I discovered the they were just awesome <laughs> in every respect. Um, but yeah, so it's not really been that it's been more that it's been filmmakers that I've just really wanted, like Nicholas Winey Refn. Yeah you know, who was such an extraordinary filmmaker and made such cool films and I just loved them so much and I wanted to work with him. I'd met him before and I didn't really like him (laughs) because he was really rude. And then I met him again and he was rude again. And then we hung out more and he turned out to be the most awesome person. So, you know, it wasn't, it was more that his films were just so good that I just wanted to be in one of them. I mean, you have worked with a few filmmakers. I mean, I haven't been on the sets of a lot of these filmmakers, but knowing what I do as just a cinephile and, and having interviewed them over the years that they are, you know, there's some adjectives you could assign to a few of them in terms of <laughs> provocateurs or, yeah. or, I mean, Oliver Stone, yeah. I, I, one of my favorite memories ever was I somehow landed a seat next to Oliver on a plane. Oh my God. And we ended up watching New Year's Eve, the wow. Gary Marshall film together. Oh <laughs> and just, wow. So surreal. That's amazing. Um, he, but he's, you know, he's yeah. an instigator. He pushes, yeah. he prods. That's like what he gets off on in a way. Was yeah. that something that, for instance, for Oliver, was that someone that you felt worked for you in terms of the style of Yeah, I like, need? I mean, I, I, I feel kind of comfortable being with someone who's really straight up and Oliver's very kind of honest about yeah. what he wants and I like that I think that's why I like Danish directors they're all really honest they all kind of tell you exactly what they think and uh, you know you can get a lot of people who kind of mollycoddle you or you know tell you you know or sort of try and encourage you by directing and I, I kind of prefer the style of just straight up honesty like that didn't work this yeah. did like let's have another go yeah talk to me a little, a little bit about like so growing up what the goal was I mean is is this even comparable to sort of where you imagine when you're like a 15 year old girl like where you want to be and the kinds of acting you want to do the kinds of work you want to do or is it just no, all night and day it's all massively superseded all of that I mean my expectations were low <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, they weren't low, actually. I, what I wanted to be was, well, first of all, I wanted to be a musical theatre actress. But by the time I was about 15, I pretty much decided that wasn't going to happen. Uh, Wait, why? Just well, because I couldn't sing well enough and I couldn't, I can't dance at all. 
And, you know, and I, it just sort of went out the window. But I wanted to be a theatre actress. I knew I wanted to do that. And uh, film wasn't really something I thought about. I think, you know, I was surrounded by British TV. So I thought, like, maybe I'd be on TV shows. But I didn't really know. Um, and it was really only just by working. And suddenly I started working and I just got lucky and kept working. And yeah. uh, So there was never really kind of definite set plan for anything. Do you still refuse to dance, period? No, I danced in Far From The Wedding Crowd. Oh, so, yeah. So, but I'm saying in your personal oh, life. Oh, my personal that's, life. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no one wants to see me dance. That's a non-starter. Yeah. You're talking to the guy that like literally danced one song at his own wedding. So, really? Yeah. 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 I don't, I don't tend to get involved unless a large amount of alcohol is involved. <laughs> is and then a, all bets are off. Is that a lack of coordination? A lack of, cause you, I mean, you have to let go of all inhibition as an actress. So yeah. yeah. So that can't be the factor. But I can do that when I'm playing somebody else, but myself right. is sort of slightly more tricky. What about karaoke? I've never karaoke. Oh, I can it. do karaoke, oh, yeah. but again, quite drunk. <laughs> What's the go-to karaoke? Meatloaf. I would do anything for love. It's a, it's a ballad. That's, a, that's yeah. epic. Yeah. That's like 10 minutes of your karaoke time right there. And they love it. They, they, <laughs> Bring down the house. It's been a hit every time to my three friends in the room. So, um, and you, you mentioned British TV. I mean, like that was, uh, you did a fair amount of that I did. I did on. all the classics. I did Miss Marple, Doctor yeah. Who, Trial and Retribution. Yeah, I did all the sort of rites of passage British things that you do. And then lots of costume dramas and bonnets. Right. Was Doctor Who a big deal for you? Were you a fan? Because I, I wasn't, I, I, I didn't grow up as a fan. I became a sort of fan after, I was a massive fan of David Tennant. So I watched all his stuff. Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was a big deal. It was a big deal because that was sort of a Doctor Light episode. So right. it was a great thing and quite crushing to do an episode without the Doctor in it very much because I kind of thought I'd be running around with him. But yeah, it was a really cool thing to do. It was like probably the most sci-fi thing I've ever done Yeah, or will get close to. Probably. And as I understand it, and again, it may, it may shock Judging by my appearance, I have not watched Doctor Who. Shocking. Um, <laughs> I, it's on the list, but it's so intimidating. They're like 20 years, yeah, I mean, yeah, 40 yeah. years it's to a lot. watch. It's a lot. I mean, I grew up watching like the old episodes, right. you know, on like afternoon TV. Uh, but all the new stuff, is, it's a lot. But that episode, apparently, that's like one of the ones that the, in the modern era that they revere as like... I know. Right? It's, I know. It's amazing. Well, Stephen Moffat, you know, great writer. Yeah. So. Do you... Um, so you mentioned that's like the only bit of kind of like sci-fi thing. Were you? Did you have like... Because looking at the resume, one might assume about you that you kind of have high art taste. <laughs> yeah. I want to get to the low art. Okay. Because you must have some... Everyone, love, everyone's a mixture of everything yeah, yeah and I love genre films and like I love watching them and I, I just never found the role in any of those kind of films that I've been particularly kind of interested in and also in the last couple of years I have felt quite I felt really lucky to get to play the part in Madding Crowd and then I it did a film Suffragette about the women's rights movement and then sort of slightly yeah I feel like there probably isn't enough strong female Right. roles and, and I felt kind of quite kind of excited about doing more of that kind of stuff right the, the appeal of being the girl in a superhero movie to be like that guy's girlfriend is probably not high on your list of yeah. like what's the yeah. need at the, I mean I sort of don't kind of yeah the girlfriend roles I think are yeah sort of tragically underwritten most yeah. of the time and so therefore not that interesting so do, do, does it tick any boxes when like the Avengers is about to come out when Star Wars, the trailer, which I've seen 30 Star times. Star Wars looks awesome. I mean, come on. I mean, Avengers looks awesome, but like Star Wars, I think stands alone in its own right as being sort of 
you know, that's, I don't sort of, yeah, it's sort of a different box from everything else. Right. It's like Star Wars. Yeah. It's so cool. I got teary-eyed watching the trailer. I'm did not going to lie. I really did. <laughs> I think a lot of people have had that reaction though. That's okay. Yeah. You connect it with your childhood. It's yeah. like everybody has that Yeah. Thing. And it's been done so authentically and so kind of, yeah. oh, it's so good. Yeah. Hey guys, today's episode of Happy Second Fused is sponsored by one of our returning sponsors, our good friends at Pop Sugar. The Pop Sugar Must Have Box is a monthly subscription featuring the absolute best of products in fashion, beauty, home, fitness, food, and more. Each box is curated by Pop Sugar editor in chief Lisa Sugar and her amazing team and includes over $100 of hand picked full size products the perfect gift to give yourself or someone special in your life, especially because every month's items are a complete surprise. And it's not just a fashion and beauty box, guys. Uh, past boxes have included products from Whip Sonoma and First Aid Beauty and Smashbox. The March must-have box included seven lifestyle products, including a diffuser and products from Bliss, Bliss Beauty and Benefit and Wet Brush and more. The Bliss Beauty scrub alone is over $48 in value, but you get it along with a bunch of other equally fabulous products in the Pop Sugar must have box for less than that every single month march sold out so hurry to secure the april box before it's gone get your box for april now using the code happy for five dollars off at musthave.popsugar.com that's code happy at musthave.popsugar.com Hey guys, today's sponsor of Happy Sack Infused are our friends over at Casper Mattresses, obsessively engineered American-made mattresses at a shockingly fair price. Listen, you guys spend about a third of your life sleeping. I probably spend about half of my life sleeping. So let's make sure we all do it on a good mattress. Casper brings together two comfy technologies together for better nights and brighter days, latex foam and memory foam. So they've got just the right sink. They've got just the right bounce, no matter how you sleep. Here's more good news, too. They've got a risk-free trial and return policy. They'll deliver it straight to you, and you can try it for 100 days. And if you're not happy, they'll pick it back up. If you go to the store, you probably won't even lay on the mattresses for over a minute. With Casper, you'll actually get to sleep on it. And the prices are great. It's $500 for a twin-size mattress and $950 for a king-size mattress. Comparing that to industry averages, that's an outstanding standing price point. And now you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash happy and use the code happy. So talk to me a little bit about the first time I ever interviewed you, probably like many people, I think it was in Toronto. It was yeah. for an education. Yeah. Um, and it felt from the outside looking in that this was like overnight success story. It's like yeah. from zero to 60. And from reading about it in retrospect, in some of your comments, it, it, it was a lot to take in yeah. and it was maybe a little paralyzing. I don't want to put yeah. words in, in your mouth, but yeah. like what is in your retrospect? Like what, where was your head at in that? It was a long process too. Like yeah, from it was. Festival to release, et cetera. Yeah. We really did it for that film. We were everywhere. Um, it was, it was like, you know, I, I went to Sundance sort of thinking, gosh, I wonder if people will like it. And then they did. And that was weird enough. And then suddenly we were doing all this stuff around the release and, I just felt sort of unqualified. I felt like I shouldn't, you know, I felt like sort of accidentally invited to the party. And uh, and I think, you know, I just took it really seriously. Like, yeah. I, you know, I remember like I didn't drink at all. I didn't have any drinks. At, I'd be like super, super, super conscientious. And I was very worried about, you know, 
saying the wrong thing or, you know, having my photo, I'm terrified of having my photo taken. And like, I, you know, I was 23 or 24 and I think I just got, you know, it was just all scary yeah. and weird. And, and now you're walking, you literally walked in, for those who can't see it, with like a bottle of tequila, which seems like a I strange know, know, choice I'm for... I'm wasted. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's just sort of, I, I just, I think if, if any of that stuff ever happened again and I went through a big award season thing, I would just relax a bit. Like, yeah. it's not that big. A, I mean, it is, it's amazing and it's great. It's great for a film to, but like, I just got so freaked out by the scale of it and... Um, and I didn't have any fun really and I just yeah. think like it's a lovely thing if people like your film great like have yeah. a nice time and don't be so paranoid <laughs> did, did the, the press part of it and the, yeah. that circuit like did did people give you were you do you get media training at that time do you get like did, did you know how to handle that aspect of it was it yeah I think so. I mean I, I've always worked with with like great people well since before that film I, I started working with great people and and so I knew how to conduct myself and it was great because I came into it knowing that I didn't have to you know give any part of myself I didn't have to sort of talk extensively about my personal life to try and yeah. connect with anyone so I knew that there were stuff that I could not say and stuff that you know that I was ultimately there to talk about the work that I was proud of and that's kind of been a great kind of way of being uh, in doing press but yeah I think you know the other side of it the the sort of visual side the photos and the <laughs> carpets and all that sort of stuff was just like what the, the first time I had any fun was at the Oscars because it got to the point where it was such a foregone conclusion that right. Sandra Bullock was going to win the award um, that I could relax and I was like well there's no way I'm getting on a stage so you know we could all have a nice time and so we did what clicks in your brain now when your photo is still clearly taken an awful lot are you to compartmentalize you just go to a weird happy zen place like <laughs> yeah. what, what's going on <laughs> I'm on a beach somewhere <laughs> exactly. um, yeah I guess I do I don't look at the things so I don't see the photos so yeah. you know I think before I would sort of look for stuff and I would find negativity you know because if you google yourself it doesn't matter if people write nice things you're just going to find the horrible things and I think now I just don't I don't look at anything I avoid it as much I just did an interview where this woman showed me red carpet shots from a couple days ago and I wanted to punch her in the face (laughs) and because I'm so I'm so deliberate about not looking at that stuff because you know the minute you engage with it or think about it too much you become like enormously self-aware and that i assume that part of that applies to the decision not to do social media yeah exactly which which, it's got to be challenging in a way because as you know 99.9 percent of the world is super engaged to a fault and is staring down at their devices all the time does it ever feel like you're you know you're gaining a lot obviously by not being hopefully as self-involved as the rest of us but i would think you also i don't know are there times where you feel like you're missing something no the only times i had an instagram account for for a couple of months and then i shut it down and came off it because you know i don't know nothing's private everything gets out there eventually it doesn't matter if you have a private account which i did and so i just thought why what's the point but then I think like, oh, it'd be nice to see my friend's baby in California that yeah. I don't see. So that's the only point. And the only other point with, with that is when, you know, I work with two great charities, um, War Child UK and the Alzheimer's Society, and often you need support for things. Yeah. And you need people to sign petitions or you need, you know, to raise money. And it's so easy to do that on social media. Yeah. And, and so I've been sort of, the only times I've ever considered it is like, God, this would be a lot easier to get 5,000 signatures if I had a Twitter account. Sure. But um, I have friends who have Twitter accounts who are very nice <laughs> and let me use them. Um, so that works out. So you're working out there just like, you're no better than the rest of us, yeah, just pretty, watching always. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> um, I mentioned uh, Skylight and I want to bring it up because uh, it is an amazing uh, piece and to see you, Bill, you and Bill on stage is a, a real treat. I know you guys did it in London. Yeah. Brought it here. Um, 
I'm just curious, like, obviously it's must be endlessly rewarding day yeah. after day or else you wouldn't have, for instance, brought it here. Yeah. Is it, does it change? Is it sort of like, does it feel like it's rewarding in its own same way each day or is the fun that it, it changes in a way? Yeah, the fun is that it changes. I mean, it's funny because we did it in London for 12 weeks and we got to the end of it and I thought, oh, I pretty much know what this is all about now. Like, yeah. I've got this down. And then we started doing it here and I started finding all these new things in the writing that I never thought about in London. So it is that it changes. It's also that, you know, it's a full-on play and a lot of stuff happens and it's really emotional. And there are some nights where I sit backstage and I think, why am I doing this? So sad. <laughs> you know, I sort of have to gear my, I'm like, oh, okay. And then I get on stage and I start doing it and I love it every yeah. night and I have so much fun, even though it's sort of a very complicated play. So it's a funny thing. It's sort of a bit of a test of endurance because to a degree, when you do a really emotional play, you are asking a lot of yourself every night and you can't fake it because, right. you know, people can tell. So it's a funny thing, but I do love it and I've never been so happy on stage. So, but that's because of Bill really. Do you find that, I mean, we were talking kind of about focus, like when you're on stage, you have to be in it, yeah. but you're a human being. Yeah. How far can the mind wander during something like that? Like, can you go down grocery list items? Can you decide like, oh, I, I forgot to do this? Or, oh, yeah. Yeah. On a bad night, your head is, it's the, the bad nights are when you can't get your head in the game. And that's the worst feeling. There are some nights where you come on effortlessly, it's easy, but there are some nights when, you know, particularly if you know there's someone, I remember we did it in London, one of the last shows, and I knew that Paul Greengrass was in the audience, and I'm a huge fan, I <laughs> want him to put me in a film, you know, all this stuff, and I was just, I spent the entire show thinking, I wonder what Paul Greengrass thinks about this, and then I'd do something, and i think, oh, Paul Greengrass won't like that, because that was too melodramatic, and he's a real realist, and, you know, and it was like, oh, I wonder if Paul Greengrass laughed at that joke, like, come on, <laughs> get over this it. This one's for you, Paul. Yeah, essentially, I mean, I literally, it was ridiculous, and so I try not to find out who's in the audience, because I tend to play the show for them, right. you know, instead of for the show. Hey guys, time for a special message from one of our very special sponsors, Stone Reset by Jemvara. Stone Reset is a service that handcrafts new settings for your very unique and previous stones from your existing jewelry collection. It's time to refresh your jewelry box, guys. Transform valuable pieces currently collecting dust into stylish and meaningful pieces that you can wear again. You can reset your special heirloom stones to create lifelong engagement rings. You can update existing engagement rings through reset for approaching special anniversaries. And best of all, it's super simple. All you have to do is request a free insured prepaid shipping kit to send in a stone for measurement. So expert jewelers will inspect it. You'll be sent a list of possible designs back. Then you choose your favorite design with your preferred metal and any accent stones, and they will handcraft the new setting from scratch and if you don't love any of the options they'll send the jewelry immediately back and paid and insured packaging no questions asked get started at stonereset.com slash happy and you'll get 15% off that stonereset.com slash happy have you met with Paul because yeah you've he talked about the boring films and yeah yeah he came backstage and mm -hmm. I sort of gushed and blushed and kind of held my neck and looked terrified and yeah. you know he was very nice to me i mean it's a no-brainer again for a, a fellow film geek but tell me about like what what do you connect with in his work which is so visceral and it's just it's fantastic all yeah of it, it's... but it doesn't you know that everything feels authentic and real yeah. and um you know that's he's able to you know it's he's got just an extraordinary way of making 
you know, real stories. And, and no matter how, you know, in the Bourne films, particularly the situation can be so extreme and so kind of um, extraordinary, but the, it feels like you're watching real human beings. Yeah. You know, that's quite, it's such a difficult mix to take a film like that, which is action and thrilling and to have humanity in it. Is, um, and you've talked about that's still, that's a bucket list kind of thing. I mean, yeah. as I'm sure I know Baz was a huge moment for Baz you. Baz is a bucket lister. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, talk to me, I'm curious, because that was the last time I spoke to you was for Gatsby, which yeah. was uh, such a great piece of work. And I mean, a testament to what all you guys achieved that it, it, it also made a lot of money, frankly, yeah. which for that kind of movie, yeah. that's, that's amazing. Yeah. That an F. Scott Fitzgerald yeah, yeah. adaptation makes $350 million. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it was, it was, such a crazy experience it was also the most sort of hyped up casting process I'd ever been involved in like I'd never been sort of you know so kind of the news around that and the sort of lists that were names that were flying around and we were all you know it felt like a sort of X Factor thing it was like (laughs) who's gonna you know and then obviously the expectation for that character because it's such a loved novel and such a huge novel and you know frankly America's bigger than England you know the expectation here is from millions and millions of people and uh, it was a lot but we did feel I felt like we got out there and just made the version that we wanted to and and that Baz wanted to and um, and that obviously pleased some people and, and didn't please others. And I think that's a testament to the fact that he just is a very distinct filmmaker. Yeah, it's got to be such a gas to see yourself on the screen and something like that. I mean, it's always probably fascinating, but to see the world that he creates and yeah. the stylized kind yeah. of, and we're talking, it's kind of in a much different way than, than Paul. He's kind yeah. of at the other end of the spectrum in a way and kind of creating very composed, still visceral and still really energetic filmmaking, but it's, it's his world. It yeah. feels... It's surreal though with Gatsby. Like I, it is, you know, it is a surreal experience watching yourself in that because you see the world that's been constructed around you that yeah. you didn't, you know, on set you don't really think about. Uh, but yeah, it's surreal. That whole experience feels very odd because it's, you know, it's probably the biggest, well, it's definitely the biggest film I've done, but it's also the sort of, I don't know, I sometimes walk around and think, gosh, I was in a film with Leonardo DiCaprio. And it was like, what? Yeah. It's so weird. I mean, it, it is a testament to your choices, maybe a little luck, who the hell knows, that you've had a few of these already in a, in a relatively young career that, I mean, I count as some of my favorites. Drive, as, as I'm sure you encounter every day, are, I'm one of those. That it was my <laughs> favorite movie that year. It's an amazing achievement. Yeah. Um, do you have the soundtrack on your playlist? Do you I, listen to I've that had, I, I had some songs, yeah, on my... But then it was sort of odd. Is it too much? It's too <laughs> well, little too Because I, I would go home in the evening, because I lived with, uh, with Nick when we right. were filming. So I'd go home in the evening, and Matt and the editor, they'd be playing the songs. And so it's sort of... It's so... Yeah, you know, it sort of reminds me of that time so much in a great way, but it's also like odd, you know. One of the most crushing things about that for me, on a personal level, was that you know they send some of this like silly kind of swag sometimes to journalists, yeah, and they sent the jacket yeah. that he wears. Was it a good version of it though? It was a great version. Wow. On my body, it didn't look exactly the same as it did on on Ryan's. <laughs> my wife was basically like, "Yeah, you can't pull that off." We were all meant to get those jackets at the end. It was a whole, and we were going to wear them in Cannes. It was a whole thing. <laughs> Like, oh man, it didn't work out. Um, I recently had on, on the podcast someone who it sounds like we both have great reverence for was Kenneth Browner, uh-huh. which was a huge moment for me. Yeah. The fact that Kenneth Browner knows who I am yeah. and is just mind-boggling to yeah. me. Um, he, he, I mean, it's, it's been written about a lot that you, you wrote a letter to him. Yeah. What was it? Was it seeing him on stage or on screen that really? Stage, yeah. yeah. I saw him in Henry and he was a sort of, and on film, lots of film, much ado and I grew up sort of idolizing him. Um, and so, yeah, I wrote to him really 
to have I think I thought maybe he'd let me come and sort of hang out with him and just watch him you know which now I think my protege Carrie come along terrifying (laughs) Um, but yeah I guess you know it was just sort of to try and be near him and soak up some of his genius have you soaked up some of his genius you must have met him by now I sat next to him in a read through and then weirdly I met him at Buckingham Palace oh of course as one does (laughs) Buckingham Palace, Windsor Castle, Windsor Castle, and I met the Queen, and he was there, and he was so casual about it because he'd met the Queen loads, and I, this is the first time I was meeting her, and uh, he got me some champagne. Amazing! Isn't life funny that way? Isn't life <laughs> insane? Yeah. <laughs> Insert crazy adjective yeah. here. Ridiculous. Um, you mentioned Suffragette, which I'm very excited to see. Yeah. Um, Meryl, Helena. I mean, these probably are. I would guess, knowing what I know of you, those are probably two important people to yeah, get the show. And Anne Marie Duff as well who's, who's yeah. someone I've always looked up to. Yeah, it's a crazy cast. And we've also got some good boys as well. Well, they're boys in there too. You, got, oh, you we, let some we, in We there? let some boys in. <laughs> Only the good ones, though. Uh, yeah, we've got Sam West, uh, Brendan Gleeson, Ben Whishaw. So, yeah, it's a great cast. I'm so excited about it. I love it. Yeah. I think it's so... And it's so so massively overdue. That's the crazy thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, we're in an age where anything happens of any note and somebody's writing a film about it two yeah. minutes later and trying to cast you know, whoever. And, and yet the story somehow escapes. Somehow a hundred years later. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. The, the, the struggle for equality in Britain. Do people really need to do know we, about that, Carrie? Is, that, is, that, is important? that important? <laughs> yeah, shocking. Do you like the lifestyle of, you say you're having a blast right now, do you like the lifestyle of being here in New York, yeah. of the day-to-day? It's probably as close to a day job as an yeah. actor gets, like clocking in and out in a weird way. Yeah, it's nice. I like the routine of it. And uh, yeah, it's great being in New York. I've, I mean, I've done another couple of plays here on Broadway before well one on Broadway and one off Broadway um, and it takes about six weeks for you to have any kind of life because you have the previews and then you have press and you do press over press night and it all gets a bit sort of knackering and you sleep a lot Yeah. Uh, so now I'm getting into the sort of potentially doing things during the day <laughs> portion of my, my existence plus I get to the theatre at 5.30 because right. I'm a lunatic and I have to be there two and a half hours early so uh, by the time I you know the day kind of gets sucked up Quite easily. So what happens in those two and a half hours? I eat dinner, mm-hmm. go to sleep for half an hour, get up, have a shower, do my hair and makeup, go downstairs, warm up on stage for half an hour, then have half an hour in my dressing room, and then I go on. And it's a thing. <laughs> Don't get in the way of my Don't process. mess with it, because it's very important. Bill shows up six minutes before, or what? No, Bill, <laughs> Bill, Bill gets there early sometimes as well. We, we tease him because he, in London, he didn't always used to warm up with us. Yeah. And so we used to say that he was too fancy to warm up. And then now in New York, he warms up every day. But when he comes on stage, we pretend that it's like, a revelation so we're like oh Bill Daining us Daining with your to join us exactly. oh and he's like oh man this joke's getting old but uh, uh, it isn't which there is are great. many moments before I'm the barrier between you and Lunch so I'll be, make it quick <laughs> um, the, so you mentioned growing up as a musical theatre geek yes. is it still something that feels like you're ready to it's do it it's overwhelming at the moment because we're next door to Phantom of the Opera and so I come out off stage some nights and I can hear the main, the, the, the theme tune. What, the theme tune? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> the music of the night, <laughs> the, the music whole of the, thing. Yeah, I can hear that. And I can see them running on and off stage. And it's galling for me because I would like to be running onto their <laughs> stage. And we're opposite Les Miserables, which, of course, was sort of my mecca when I was younger. Um, so, yeah, it's a lot of my, my inner child fighting my current self. But... Yeah, I don't think the right thing. And I think I should stay away from singing for a while because I've been singing a lot and things. Right. 
So, so well, I don't what, want to be the singing actress. No, no. So <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to do it, do it for the cones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and 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 by the way, your withering insults to uh, Oscar Isaac. Just Thank I could you. listen to them. It's all easy day. to witheringly insult Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Oscar. No, he's, doing he's all an right. angel. He's, he's actually very difficult to be nasty to. Him. He's the best, right? Yeah, he is. Um, and do you know what you're doing next after? No, what? I don't. I know we've got Suffragette coming out in October, and uh, and other than that. Uh, I'm going to finish the play at the end of June, and then I'm going to sort of hang out. Could you imagine ever living here permanently? I mean, I would think you connect to New York as someone because you grew up in London itself, yeah, or yeah. sort of in and out of yeah. cities. Yeah, I love New York. I could definitely have lived here, and now I'm pretty settled in in London, and yeah. my family's there, so I don't think so. But I like these little stints out here. You know, yeah. a couple of months is great. Nice. Well, we like to have you. Thank you. Um, killing it uh, in film and theater as always. Thank you. Uh, it's good to see you, Karen. Thanks Lovely for sitting down on the eve of your, what's well, going to be a glorious launch. It's going to be, I'm predicting big things. Okay, fingers crossed. I'm excited. <laughs> You're going to kill it. It's going to be salad dressing. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> avocado. Let's do it. Dare to dream. <laughs> good to see you, Karen. Thank you. That's the show, guys. I'm Josh Horowitz. This has been Happy, Sad, Confused. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Hit me up on Twitter, Joshua Horowitz. Go over to wolfpop.com. Check out all the amazing shows over there. And most importantly, check back in next week for another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Once again, we want to thank Pop Sugar for sponsoring today's episode of Happy, Sad, Confused. The Pop Sugar must-have box is a monthly subscription featuring the absolute best of products in fashion, beauty, home, fitness, food, and more. And it's not just a fashion and beauty box. Each box includes over $100 of hand-picked, full-size products. It's the perfect gift to give yourself or someone special in your life, especially because every month's items are a complete surprise. Get your box for April now using the code HAPPY for $5 off at musthave.popsugar.com. That's code HAPPY at musthave.popsugar.com. Hop. Pop. Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media, executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear.